Jerry Rice said, Today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can do what others can't. Why am I quoting a football player? Because his words need to be heard. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! Of all the boys and young men to have ever played baseball at the amateur level, only a very small percentage have had the opportunity to play so professionally. And of those who have made it to pro ball, very few make it to the major leagues. An even smaller number become all-stars at the major league level. And of course, the elite of the elite find themselves in the Hall of Fame. Of all of the players ever to put on a major league baseball uniform, only 1% have a plaque in Cooperstown. Going back to the Jerry Rice quote that I opened with, he of course has a plaque but not in Cooperstown, in Canton, as he is an NFL Hall of Famer. He said, Today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can do what others can't. Notice he did not say, Today I will do what others can't. His point is this, Today all of us could do something, but many won't do it, and I will. And because of that, down the road, others would like to do something, but they're now incapable of doing that something. And it goes back to when they were capable of doing the same thing as Jerry Rice was. It is very common for us as athletes and as just individuals in whatever sphere we're living to fall in line with so many others who won't do things today, even though they could. And so like them, we find that we can't do what we would like tomorrow. It's not common to be a Jerry Rice. And of course, I mean that in a twofold way. One is his talent. But God gave him that talent. God gives us our talents. The question is, what do we do with them? And so many are not like Jerry Rice, not only in that way, but in his process, in his mindset, in his willingness to do today what everybody else could do today, but they won't. In my experience in professional baseball, both as a player and as a coach, I have seen that there's a small percentage of players that are so talented, they've been given by God so much ability to play the game of baseball, that unless they have an injury or they just are idiots, basically, they're going to become Major League Baseball players. And then there's a very small percentage that just lack the talent, that just don't have what it takes just from a raw talent standpoint. But both of those categories are a small percentage. The vast majority of the people that play baseball, it isn't one of those two things. The difference between becoming a Major League Baseball player or not is often about whether they're willing to do today what others won't. 
their, their willingness to follow the attitude, the process of a Jerry Rice. Now, that Jerry Rice quote had a big impact on how I went about preparing as a baseball player. I hope it still has an impact on how I go about my life today, though I'm no longer a player and no longer even involved in professional baseball. Another big impact on my life as a player was a book by Tom Seaver. The title is The Art of Pitching. I was one of those guys in high school and really even into college that often today wouldn't do what I should do. And I read Tom Seaver's book, and it taught me a lot about pitching, but it taught me something more important. The process, the preparation, what's required to get the most out of the God-given talent that I had. It's very common for the game of baseball to be played at all levels. It's not common for a player at any level to do today what needs to be done in preparation. And so therefore, it's not common for them to play the game at the top of their ability, at the best of their ability, to play the game the right way, to play the game for the right reasons. And this is true at all levels of baseball. Very few play at the highest level that they are capable of. That is, their career ends shy of what it could have been, and very few excel while they are at that level. Whether that's as a 12-year-old, a varsity player at a high school, a college player, a double-A player, a major league player. And a part of it, a big part of it, or a big reason behind it is not being willing to do today what you could do, but you refuse to do. When we talk about greatness, sometimes we see greatness throughout a career. Those are Hall of Famers. Sometimes we see greatness in a season. And that could be, again, professionally or at an amateur level. Sometimes we see a single game in which a player has excelled in a way that is very uncommon. We got a chance to witness that in a single game last week. Grounded to third. Donaldson has it. There it is. Perfection for Domingo Herman. Domingo Herman has thrown the 24th perfect game in baseball history. The fourth perfect game in Yankees history. And you will always remember where you were June 28th of 2023. So as you heard, that was last Wednesday, June 28th, Domingo Herman pitching for the Yankees in Oakland against the A's, pitches a perfect game. And as you heard, only the 24th perfect game in history, only the fourth in the history of the New York Yankees. The first, you did not hear this in that clip, but the first since 2012 when King Felix threw a perfect game for the Mariners. We should appreciate that greatness, even if only for a day. Now, some have raised this issue. After this perfect game, they said, Domingo Herman has been suspended for sticky stuff, PEDs, and domestic violence. How can we be happy for him? How do we respond to that? Well, I think on a surface level, we can say we got to witness something very uncommon, and we should appreciate that. But now... Are we happy for Domingo Herman? Again, I think on the surface, we can say yes. But I think the bigger question, and I do not have the answer to this question, is has Domingo Herman repented of his sin? 
And if so, then we should respond with great joy for his repentance and then for this perfect gain. Again, I don't have the answer to that question. Last year, I talked a lot about a particular player, actually a couple of players, that I have not talked about as much this year. And it's it's almost like they're so good and they're doing such amazing things that we can kind of go, well, yeah, that, that's expected, but we shouldn't expect it. We should appreciate what we are witnessing, including what we are witnessing yet again from this man. Shohei Otani struck out his first two times up and then was walked his next two. High fly, left center field. Shohei dazzles the crowd one more time. A franchise record, 14th home run in the month of June. Got a slider, crushes a slider. 29th home run, 66th RBI for Shohei Otani. So that happened last Tuesday. The Angels hosting the White Sox in L.A. In that game, Otani at the plate was 3-for-3, two home runs, two RBI. And oh, by the way, he started that game as the pitcher. Six and a third innings, four hits, one run, two walks, ten strikeouts. As you heard, that was his 29th home run of the season, his 14th in the month of June. He hit another home run Friday night, so the last day of June, which gave him 30 and 15 in the month of June. You heard in that clip that number 14 broke a record, so of course he added to that record. Actually broke two records. The 15 home runs, or going back the 14 home runs in June, are a franchise record for the Angels, but also Otani broke a record by Babe Ruth, a record by a player who hit that many home runs in the month of June or in a month, who also started a game in that same month as a pitcher. Notice that I said a game, as in one game. Shohei Otani has not only started on the mound one game in the month of June, but many games. And in June, he pitched 30 and a third innings, 37 strikeouts, and a 326 ERA. And in the month of June, his slash line was 394, 492, 952. He had 15 home runs in June, as I mentioned, seven doubles, three triples, and just to throw it in as an extra bonus, four stolen bases. June ended, but Otani hitting home runs did not. He hit number 31 yesterday against Arizona. And that makes people say, hmm, Aaron Judge set the American League record last year with 62. Does Otani have an opportunity, a chance to break that record? I think indeed that he does. Not surprisingly, Thursday night when the starters for both the American League and the National League, for the starters for the All-Star Game, were announced, Otani is one of those starters. It's his third All-Star appearance, his third consecutive All-Star appearance. And I think that, and and I'm one of those guys that believe as, as remarkable of a season as Aaron Judge had last year, Otani still should have been the MVP. And of course, he won it two, two years ago. He is undoubtedly the front runner. And again, I don't really think there's any competition as being the AL MVP in 2023. I said that I talked about Otani a lot last year and not so much this year, but I said there was another man I talked about last year that I haven't talked so much about this year. And so I'm going to do so again today. Just as Otani, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of everybody, is the front runner for AL MVP, this man 
is undoubtedly the frontrunner for NL MVP. The Braves, I think, have six homers tonight. Yes, they do. Ronald Acuna joins the party. You thought the home run derby was going to be in Seattle in July, but you were wrong. It's a truest park on June 30th. Ronald Acuna Jr. You heard that home run. That was on Friday night. Home run number 21 on the season. He also was named to the All-Star team, his fourth consecutive appearance. But the Braves that night, as you heard, hit six home runs. They hit 61 home runs in the month of June, which is a franchise record. But let's go back to Acuna for a second. He is the first player ever before the All-Star break, and there's still a week to go before we have the All-Star break. He's the first player ever prior to the All-Star break to have 20 or more home runs and 35 or more stolen bases. He stole two bases yesterday, which means he now has 39 stolen bases to go along with the 21 home runs. That means that he is on pace for a season with 40-plus home runs and 75-plus stolen bases. And let's go through the list of all of the players in Major League Baseball history that have hit more than 40 home runs in a season and also stole more than, we'll back it up, 70 bases. Here's the list. There's nobody. Nobody. He is having, yet again, a phenomenal season. And so are the Braves. As the All-Star starters and reserves have been announced now, Ronald Acuna Jr. is joined by seven teammates. So eight Atlanta Braves have made the All-Star team, including their entire infield. And eight All-Stars from the Braves team is also a franchise record. The Braves have the best record in baseball. They're 56-27. and 27. Their winning percentage is 675. The next closest, the Tampa Bay Rays at 655. The Braves have the biggest lead of any of the division leaders in the game of baseball. They have a nine-game lead over the second-place Miami Marlins. And not only is Acuna Jr. joined by seven of his teammates, he will also be joined on the NL All-Star team with one of his former teammates, Freddie Freeman of the Dodgers. And I saw this, I think, midweek last week, and I said, this is amazing in the history of the Dodger franchise. But Freddie Freeman is the first Dodger ever with 100 hits, 50 RBI, and 10 stolen bases before July since 1920. And Freddie Freeman is making his seventh All-Star Game appearance. Now, speaking of the All-Star Game... The most appearances of this year's roster goes to Mike Trout, his 11th, his 11th consecutive appearance. Then Clayton Kershaw, who made the team, was announced yesterday, is in his 10th All-Star game. Then Nolan Arenado and Salvador Perez both have eight. Mookie Betts joins Freeman, making his 7th appearance, and J.D. Martinez his 6th. There are 26 players, 15 in the National League, that have made the All-Star team for their first time in their playing career. And that game will be played a week from tomorrow, July 11th, at T-Mobile Park in Seattle. Now, this player is not on the All-Star team. He did not make the NL All-Star team, but he expresses what it takes to be an All-Star. And that is Jonathan India, the second baseman for the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, I've seen it. It's been a tough month for me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I've always said I don't care about results. You know, to me, results, if you're result-driven, if you care about your results and you 
you know, if you're losing sleep over results, you won't perform in this game. And, uh, you know, I learned that rookie year and last year. So this year I told myself, hey, uh, as long as I play the game the right way, I play the game hard, um, you know, I don't give up. I fight every at-bat. Um, I stick to my process and execute my plan. There's nothing more I can do. You know, the results are not in my hands. Um, I can only control so much in this game. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's part of it. It's part of the process. And I, I, I encourage you, especially if you have a son at any level that plays baseball, to play that again and again. But not only if you have a son that plays baseball, but for yourself. He says things there that are very important, whether we're an athlete, whether we're a baseball player, whether we're playing Little League or Major Leagues, about the process and the results and what we can control and what we cannot. We are told in Proverbs, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. We, again, can can do what we can do today. We can have a plan. We can follow a process. And the results are out of our hands. That is great advice from Jonathan India. And again, even though he's not on the All-Star team, that advice is All-Star advice. And those that are on the All-Star team, many if not all of them, follow that advice. Now speaking about the All-Star game, again, a week from tomorrow in Seattle, what was it, last year or the year before, I forget now, Things changed as it regards the Major League Baseball player draft, first-year player draft. That is now held during the All-Star break. So during the break, from Sunday night, July 9th, until sometime, I think, around noon on the 11th, so before the game that night, the Major League Baseball player first-year draft will be held. And the first pick this year, the 1-1, so that's the team that gets to get the number one guy, at least what they think is the number one guy, is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Of course, these players that are eligible for the draft are now playing in different places. One of the places that some of the best players in the country, college players, have gone for decades is the Cape Cod League. And so there are a number of players in the Cape Cod League that are playing right now, hoping to get drafted here in about a week. But not all is, how do I want to put this? Not everything in the Cape Cod League is... Fun and games. Not everything in the Cape Cod League is going as it ought. Listen to Tom Holliday as he speaks about the players on his team in the Cape Cod League. And we're back in the Anglers Extra pregame show. Today, Chatham starts a two-game West Division trip starting today against the Bourne Braves at Doran Park. Joe Puccio with Chatham manager Tom Holliday. Tom, with the rain out yesterday, you've had a day to process the 11-5 loss against YD. What was your takeaway from that game? Well, my, the, t- the takeaway is um, the record is mine. It's my re- my responsibility, and it's ugly. And now our kids have, have developed a, a um, sense of getting beat, which a team can do that. And it's, it's, the, it's the result of a structure that I chose to do that I would never do again. And I say that because you never know how long you're going to do this stuff. But, um, you know, we, we have got more confusion. Uh, we have more mind-drifting things going on. And our team is not a team. It's just a collection of 30 people, uh, all, everybody playing for a different purpose. And um, I'm going to try to straighten it out. Ouch. 
You know, his comment about we're not a team, but a bunch of individuals reminds me of Calvin's comment that there's a difference between a covenant community and a collection of like-minded individuals. Now, Calvin, of course, is referring to a local church. Tom Holliday here is referring to a baseball team, a baseball team in the Cape Cod League. As that interview went on, he was asked, how do you get the players on the same page? And his response was very telling and I think very good. He said, you get rid of the guys that are ticketing themselves out of here. And you get guys that play the game hard, that play the game for the right reasons, that play the game for the sake of the team. And then he continued to say throughout the interview that the the struggles the team is having, he says, it's my fault. And he even said at one point in time, Tom Holliday, wake up. And he noted that for many of the people on his team, that it's fundamentally about, if you're a pitcher, lighting up the radar gun. It's fundamentally about trying to get more money as a drafted player. Now, Tom Holliday did not use these words, but I will. It's fundamentally about their brand. He is saying that these players right now put results far above process. And here's the thing. They may get results in the immediate context, but almost certainly the results will be poor in the long run. It's a very good interview, and Tom Holliday had more to say in that same interview. I don't know. I guess I drifted into being a nice guy because, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a guy that takes, you know, people misleading me. I don't take it very well, and I've been misled, and I got kids here that are not here for the right reasons, and they're setting target dates to leave, so I'm trying to get go back and re-recruit, which was a bad time to be recruiting for summer league players, but uh, I'll straighten it out. It'll never happen again, so, and I'm referring to guys that are draft eligible that, quite frankly, haven't played very good, haven't pitched very good, but yeah, they're already targeting leaving here, which I'm not sure I'd even draft them, but they're, they're, they're going home to draft parties. Uh, I, I just I don't get it, but I'm never going to have to get it again. Again, those are some strong words, some words that some people I'm sure did not take kindly to. He said, I don't even think I would draft them, and yet they're going home. They're leaving this team for draft parties. Now, some of the final words that he said in that interview is that today's kids don't like being put in place, but sometimes the truth hurts, and it does hurt sometimes. But we are to speak the truth in love, whether it hurts or it doesn't, because we want what's best for people. I heard a player one time commenting on a coach. And he said, and this was a compliment. He meant it as a compliment, and I think it is a compliment. He said, this coach doesn't tell me what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. That's a player who has the right mindset of what is expected out of a coach. But you may be asking, well, who is Tom Holliday? I mean, other than a coach for the Chatham Chatham Anglers in the Cape Cod League, who is he? Well, he's a 70-year-old man who is a father and a grandfather. He has spent 40 years in Division I college baseball from 1976 to 2015. So do you think he understands college baseball players? Do you think he understands what it takes to be good, not only in college, but professionally? Do you think he would have a good idea who is somebody that ought to be drafted and who is somebody that maybe shouldn't be drafted? He was an assistant coach, oftentimes as a pitching coach, 
and a recruiting coordinator from 1976 to 1996, and then again from 2004 to 2014. At schools, including the University of Miami, Arizona State, Texas, North Carolina State, and Oklahoma State. And if you know anything about college baseball, you know that is a list of impressive schools. He was the head coach at Oklahoma State from 1997 to 2003. I mentioned that he's a father and a grandfather, and you'd say, well, for a 70-year-old man, that makes sense. Yes, but he's the father of Matt Holliday and the grandfather of Jackson Holliday. Matt Holliday, who was a seven-time All-Star during his 15-year Major League career, who in his career had a lifetime batting average of 299, collected over 2,000 hits, over 300 home runs, and won a batting title in 2007. And what about Jackson Holiday? Well, Jackson Holiday is Matt's son. We talk about the draft coming up next week. Pittsburgh, actually, well, yeah, next week. Pittsburgh having the first pick. Last year's 1-1, that is the first player taken in the draft last year, was Jackson Holiday. He is a shortstop in the Baltimore Orioles organization. And on some lists, maybe even the majority of lists, he is considered the number one minor league baseball prospect in the game. So this dad and granddad knows the difference between the common player and the not-so-common player. The kind of player that goes on to have a professional and even major league career, and the kind of person who goes on to be responsible, accountable, and committed as men. Not only on the baseball field, but in family rooms and in boardrooms. Because remember, even with all of those years in college baseball at those strong Division I programs, only a small percentage get to play professionally. The rest go on with their lives. So Tom Holliday understands all of these things. Now, I happen to be uh, alerted to this five-minute interview as a pregame interview because it was posted on social media. And the one that I saw posted had these words with it. This video is going viral amongst college coaches. We all agree, and I emphasized all because that was in all caps, we all agree, college players, high school players, high school coaches, travel coaches, summer coaches, listen, Tom Holliday is a legend. He is speaking the truth. And the truth is, it's all too common in our day for coaches at all levels to have to deal with players like those described by Tom Holliday. And we need far more coaches to do what he is trying to do with his players. If you play the game, again, at any level, do you want to excel in the game of baseball? Do you want to excel both on and off the field? Do you want to develop patterns of preparation, doing today what others won't, so that in your performance you can do what others cannot? Do you want to develop these patterns of preparation and performance that are going to benefit you, benefit your team, benefit many others, both now in the game and long after you're done with baseball? And even Hall of Famers typically are done with baseball and still have decades to live on this earth. If so, do things the right way and for the right reasons. Understand the importance 
of having a good process, which begins with a good mindset, the kind that Jerry Rice expressed, the kind that Jonathan India expressed. Play this game for the sake of others and not just for yourself. Don't look to build your brand. Don't look to make yourself a household name. Look to do what you can do to help your team win a ball game and to help your team, even when they lose, to go about things the right way. And I encourage all of you in the game at any level to take this approach. And I really encourage all of us, wherever we are, to take this approach. But there's an added responsibility if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You are to do all of this as you are to do all things. Whether you eat or drink or play baseball or whatever you do, you're to do it all to the glory of God. You're to do it all that his name may be hallowed. You're to be a person who is both blessed by God with your talent, with your abilities, with your opportunities, and a person who is blessing, a blessing, to those who are around you. That's your responsibility. And here's the thing. Today, and really throughout history, it's not common to find many people who approach things in this way. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for listening.